Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. Last week's episode was so much fun, you guys. I hope you loved watching and loved listening just as much as I loved recording it. Tim and Dana are the coolest. And I'm thinking I need some more Bigfoot guests in my life. Like on the show, yes, but in my life, personally, um, I need it. Today's episode <laughs> and guest are also way cool. You're going to love it. We will get to my awesome guest in just a moment. First, don't forget, next week, Tuesday, April 25th, I will be going live with Christina Gomez on her new show, Top 5. Christina invites guests onto this show to discuss their top five stories or favorite experiences or favorite top five theories, all within a topic of their own choosing. What, oh, what will I be discussing with Ms. Gomez? You will have to tune in to find out. It is one of my favorite subjects to discuss, though. So that is happening 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, again on Tuesday. All right. Support for the Paranorm Girl podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. <laughs> Ladies, this is a public service announcement. Our friends at Manscaped now have beard products and are going even further with their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. Go ahead and tell the world the leaders in below the waist grooming are traveling north of your man's South Pole. Nose hairs are a major turnoff. The new Weed Whacker 2.0 and their new beard line confirms they have all the best tools for his hygiene toolbox. Time for you to upgrade his game by going to manscaped.com and using the code PNG and get 20% off and free shipping. Yes, indeedy. We've got some newness. We've got some improviness in our midst. That, of course, is the brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. This bad boy offers improved blades and skin-safe technology with a no-tugging guarantee. And, you know, tugging has its moments. <laughs> when it's all right. Tug of war. Tug boats. Tug speedmen. <laughs> you know when tugging ain't super? When you're trying to mind your delicate nose holes. Um, I am really glad. I get to use the new Weed Whacker 2.0. To start off, I just really like the look of it. It is a sexy, intelligently contoured, ergonomic design. And it's just been really efficient to use. It is lightweight. It is super quick. Holy cow. It's got a 7,000 RPM motor. The 2.0 ain't playing around, dudes. And uh, the, the motor itself is really quiet. And maybe best of all, the no tugging guarantee so far stands. <laughs> so get 20% off and free shipping with the code PNG at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code PNG. Trust Manscaped for the only right tools for the job. You can thank me later. Today's guest has one hell of a story to tell. A decades-long foray into the paranormal resulted in her writing her first book, A True Story. 
Today, we delve into incidents that took place after her and her family moved into the incredibly haunted West Grove, located in Leeds, West Yorkshire. From slamming doors, to misty apparitions, to massive orbs, to skulls in bonnets. This house wasted no time letting her know that something strange was afoot. And I will waste no time getting right to it. Please enjoy my conversation with author Anne Bateson. I just had a normal childhood and um, got to, I had a curiosity when I was a lot younger though, about life and particularly about when we pass over, actually what is death. Um, and, and it was just so profound, so young, that it was constantly on my mind that if we were here, but we weren't here before we were here, and then we're not here again. And I wonder, and the reason I mentioned that is, and it's probably a very um, strange way to start the conversation, but um, I wonder whether the, all the things that uh, take place at a later date are in answer to that kind of real deep um, thoughts that I had on that topic. And I feel now, now I've been on this journey, that really what has transpired is um, showing me what life is and certainly what passing is, you know, from physical life to uh, spiritual life kind of thing. So, um, yeah, just a normal childhood, normal career, you know, just normal life. And then one day something completely not what you would classify as normal took place, which was the premonitions. And that's kind of really where the journey started. And that was prior to me living in this beautiful, uh, over 150-year-old home. Right, right. When uh, when did those premonitions start for you? Uh, it was around about the age of 17. 17, I was. Uh, so that's I'm not going to say how many years ago that was, but it was a, it was a few years ago, you know. Um, yeah, and it was just came totally out of the blue, uh, but it was profound and it was uh, very impactful as well. It kind of, even just one premonition, um, it's it affects you so emotionally, or it did me, um, that there's kind of no going back then. It, it kind of changes you because then, to kind of make sense of that, or for me, um, it was a it was a discovery. How on earth can I literally wake up one morning knowing something major and and that's quite tragic um, was going to take place? What do you do with that? Where do you go with that? You know, so it does impact you and I think and and then it, it happened again and then you know and it wasn't happening every week of course there was a there was a, a time gap but it happened again and then it happened again so much so that um I actually spoke to the universe source energy and said you know I actually can't deal with this uh, I, I don't want it to happen again you know and that was um, a surprise to me, but it was just the lack of control, I guess. It was more so happening to you is what, what yes. it felt like. You weren't bringing it on. It was just, here absolutely. you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Totally not bringing it on at all. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Correct me if I'm wrong, but your your mother had some sensitivities as well. Is that correct? She did. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So I guess growing up, um, I was exposed a little bit to some of the um, strange goings on, kind of paranormal days. Say, and she had um, premonitions, I guess, but um, not on such a major scale. They were more, I suppose, in a way. That was quite scary, really, because it was usually about people <laughs> that she knew and that were involved, you know, um, and it was just minor little things like accidents and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, so I did have some exposure as a child, but I don't believe that those instances made me sit and ponder or wish that the same would uh, come to me. In fact, the last thing I would have wished for, um, you know, and we used to say to mum, if you have a dream about me, please don't tell me. <laughs> Unless it's winning the lottery or whatever. Not that we had that in the that day, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, we kind of made it lighthearted. Okay. Okay. You know, a thought that kept occurring to me just throughout the book, um, just because of the kinds of experiences that were taking place in the house, and you also had some concurrent experiences outside of the house, which we'll get into a little bit, um, sure. talking about these these premonitions and the sensitivities that your mother had, and then, of course, you had them, it made me question you know, because that makes me think, oh, it's 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 in a family, like it, it's running in yeah. the family. And it made me think, I wonder if it's it's the sensitivity of the experiencer. I, I wondered if it was your sensitivities to this kind of thing that maybe brought about all of these things that were happening in the house because it's happening in other parts of your life as well, that it just kind of makes you more sensitive to that where the normal average person might not have noticed or might not have experienced it as as profoundly as you did I don't know if you've ever thought about that yeah do you know I think you've made a really really good point there and, and I think you've really thought that through because again um you know these days especially I ponder on a lot of this stuff especially since writing the book because it brings over a 17 year period for example it brings it all back to you and of course I'm talking to people about the book so it the subject is now to the fore but that's uh, that's really, really insightful. And it has crossed my mind now whether it's obviously not a genetic thing, but does it run in families? You know, is it, I, I suppose um, I have heard that, you know, it can be passed on for generation to generation if somebody's psychic or if it's a clairvoyant, for example. Um, so I'm not sh maybe you've got a really good point there. <laughs> um, and I've thought about it fleetingly, but not in any real real depth, really. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's get into the book. That's uh, that's why we're here. Um, and uh, in order to do that, I would love if you would just paint the picture here of this home. It's very historic. As you said before we started recording, it was, it's, it's 150 years old um, yeah. and there is a history attached to it. Some things that you noticed on your walkthrough. If you don't mind, just paint that picture for us. Oh, absolutely. So um, my husband and I, we'd um, been looking for a property and this just leapt out at us. I decided, I've always liked older houses anyway, particularly of the Victorian kind of era it's a typical victorian um it's a solid stone house there's a well in the garden um it's in its own walled grounds you know um it was beautiful but it did need some work so we went along to have a look at it and um, it used to be a doctor's surgery 
now years ago uh, and the surgery was in the basement so the ground floor and that was kind of um didn't see daylight so you know, people would come in from the far wall of the garden and walk through the grounds and come round to the basement door and that was the entry to um, the surgery still got the numbers on the door for the surgery incidentally but when we um, looked around that day and we went into the basement which I always feel though you kind of sense a little bit of um, an atmosphere maybe when when you go into that kind of a cellar or a basement same thing um, you kind of I don't know whether it's just because it's darker and the light's not coming in but you kind of there's a little bit of an atmosphere, but certainly when we went into two of the back rooms, because it's sizable, um, there were there were about five different rooms down there. Um, there was um, slabs in the middle of the room, stone slabs with a little um, kind of channel running around the edge with holes either end, very much like where you would actually lay a dead body out. And we actually did kind of nudge each other and um, we were obviously having the same thoughts, kind of, you know, oh, do they lay dead bodies out in these days in these houses? You know, and that thought does cross your mind. Do you want to live somewhere if that kind of went on? But I mean, by the very nature of it being a doctor's surgery and very much in those days, community, um, your doctor was responsible for an awful lot more than when you just turn up to go and see GP now. So um, that, that did raise a question, but we moved on and we looked around the house, needed an awful lot of work doing to the house. But um, it was strange, really. The house had a really nice, comfortable vibe. We absolutely loved the house, even though the garden was slightly overgrown. It had kind of encroached over the years. But it was strange because um, we took a picture. Well, we took pictures of the outside of the house while we were there. And you did have to wait to get pictures developed um, when you, when you, we certain cameras then. And when we looked at the picture, there was a shadow on, this is really um, the first incident. So that was before we'd bought the house and before we'd moved in. There was a shadow outside an upstairs window, and it was like a huge grey mist. Now, unfortunately, I don't have that picture anymore, which is a shame. Um, and that did make us stop and think, what on earth is that? We had no explanation. And we joked around that hmm, maybe there's a ghost or whatever. Um, but we, we kind of didn't believe that there was, even though we said it looks like there's a ghost or there was something very strange about that photograph. And um, to cut a long story short, um, within weeks we'd bought the house and we were ready to move in. Um, but a beautiful old house, high ceilings, um, big open rooms, window, large windows, you know, just, um, just a beautiful home. It was built by two brothers. Um, they'd been previous owners, so there hadn't been many owners. And they did have a maid who worked there. I've got these documents with all the deeds and I've had a little bit of a look through. Now, I actually have a couple of death certificates as well attached to the deeds of the house. And somebody did die in the house. Yeah. But other than that, I don't really know much more. I've never really dug deeper, you know. Um, okay. So there, there were literally, there was things happening before you guys even moved in. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then you were off to the races as soon as Absolute, you guys were in. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Day one, 
you know, it really all started with um, hearing somebody come into the house. We often used to hear, I mean, I mean, literally the day we moved in, it was very strange. We heard, we thought somebody coming in and what was common was, which was nearly an everyday occurrence, um, somebody walking into the hall as though people were coming in. Um, and of course, the first time you, you you imagine you're hearing something, but you're not really heard it. And then the second and then the third and the fourth, you know that you're hearing something. Um, and that was so common that, um, and again, with that style of house, if um, you've got a moment for me to explain, the doorways front and back are in the middle. So you come in through the door, you've got a large hall with quite grand stairs in the hall that take you upstairs, obviously. And then the rooms are either side of the hall, so the kitchen, um, the lounge, dining room, etc. they're all off the main hall, so it's very square. But we'd had some of the rooms opened up, so you could be in the kitchen and you could hear somebody because it's central to each room. So it didn't matter which room you were in. But when we were sat in the lounge, most evenings, um, we'd hear and initially we'd we'd uh, get up from the sofa and and go and have a look and just check that there wasn't anybody coming in but after a few months of that we just used to kind of ignore it and just stay sat down and think oh there's nobody coming in you know it's it's the ghost but it was a little bit it was light-hearted that we said that because we still then didn't think we were living with a ghost or ghosts Right, you know? right, yeah. Um, yeah, but there were a couple of days where we couldn't ignore that one particular day when we'd been in, and it was on the rare occasion we were at home during the daytime. We had a business um, to run, so that took, you know, if anybody's listening who is self-employed, you work long hours, you know, and weekends and into evenings. So we were at home and we were having a coffee in the kitchen, and as I've just mentioned, it was um, open plan from the kitchen into the dining room, so sizable. Bay windows, if that means anything to you, that's just really large bay windows. So um, we were chatting as we're just chatting, as I'm speaking now, and all of a sudden there was really loud knocking, like a brass knocker on a really big door, really loudly. Bang, bang, bang. We absolutely jumped out of our skin. And kind of looked at each other without saying a word our coffee went down and we ran from the kitchen into the dining room bay windows because you can see into the gardens you know which were sizable so because they were sizable that would have been very difficult for anybody to knock on the door and to run away without being seen because they've got a long way to go so we looked through the window we couldn't see a soul and we could see with, with big stone steps leading up to the door. So you would be able to see them from the bay window. Um, so without again speaking, we ran across the hall and ran into the lounge, which is the opposite side, which means you can see more of the other side of the garden. And there wasn't anybody there. That was a real mystery. We thought somebody maybe had jumped over the wall because there was a school nearby, a high school. So we thought maybe some of the kids were sort of playing around and, you know, just decided to um, jump over the wall maybe and knock on the door and run away or whatever, you know. Um, so we went back to our coffee. We chatted about it for a few minutes and then it was kind of forgotten until a few days later. I mean, you kind of forget it. You're not talking about it, but you don't forget. 
but this is how it went with me anyway. So it was still in my mind. It was still in my mind going to sleep that night. You know, how strange that we heard that knocking. However, a couple of days later, I'm at home cleaning, which is kind of my meditation. I, I kind of, you know, go into it. It's my quiet time. And I had an idea. Hang on a second. Let me just go and check this huge door, uh, open the door. And of course, as I thought, there was no knocker. There's actually not a knocker on the door. So what we'd heard, that's really when it struck home that it was more profound than we'd originally thought because there actually wasn't a knocker. So it entered my mind when you try and rationalize these things because that's what I did with everything that happened in the house. You try to rationalize what is actually happening because you kind of, you don't go to school to learn about paranormal, you know? Um, so you've got nowhere to go to kind of rationalize or ask, or, you know, it's not as though you can phone your friends and sort of say, you know, when you've had your paranormal experience, you know, why do you think that happened or how it's, it's just not that it's just not what you can do. So I had to rationalize that. And all I could think was, have we heard an echo from the past? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it yeah. wasn't necessarily anybody present, not necessarily a ghost. And and I kind of liked that thought because it's nice to think that you've not got a ghost because yeah. when you're kind of living, you know, you have to live. And I was often home alone. Um, so um, I, I preferred not to think that it was a ghost. Are, are you talking about it being like a residual thing, like an imprint? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Residual energy. Yeah. Okay. That, that's, I would that's, say. Yeah, that's an in- interesting thought uh, process there because, as you mentioned, like the house itself was, uh, it was just this big stone, you know, made out of stone, and yeah. that could go into something uh, people talk about. It's uh, stone tape theory. Uh, which I'm sure yeah. that you've heard of, like like certain materials, certain absolutely, and and I think it extends too. Like you mentioned, there was a body of water on the property yes. as well. You mentioned that in yes. in the book, and a lot of people think that uh, big bodies of water or like still water that's like a conductor absolutely. of energy. Absolutely, yeah, that's absolutely what I've concluded. And obviously, I've reached out and tried to do research, and I've concluded that the well is likely the vortex for the activity. That's what I feel, especially after the experience in the garden with my sister-in-law um, by the well. Okay. But, I mean, we, you know, I can tell that story if you like oh, later. Yeah. We can come to that. You know, would you like to hear that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So just a little bit of a backstory about my sister-in-law, complete and absolute cynic about ghosts. Although I'd read late, relay to it after being in the home for a few years, there were a few stories to tell. And of course, whenever she visited, which was quite often, she'd come over and stay. And um, I couldn't help but have somebody to kind of talk to about this, you know, but she was so cynical, so much so that she used to, um, she used to laugh at me. She didn't laugh in a cruel way, but she was not having any of it. Yeah. And she wasn't worried about staying in the house because she was a complete non-believer. So there was no fear. Um, but she would make the odd joke if she was going upstairs and it was bedtime and, um, you know, she didn't necessarily want to go up and clean her teeth on her own. She'd wait until I went upstairs. But other than that, she really was cynical. So um, there'd been a few years of this going back and forth and she thought it was very funny. 
And it was, you know, I'd laugh along with her because the bottom line is if you're not having these experiences, so you choose not to believe, then absolutely I can understand that. But as soon as something happens to you, then obviously you have to start questioning it. And it was happening too often and too many things for me to ignore it and put it down to just, um, you know, life, really. Anyway, so we're in the garden. And I said to her that evening, do you know something? We've actually, because I started taking pictures, by the way, when I sensed that there was something around, I started picking up my phone and, and taking pictures when I thought I felt a presence because that's what happened ultimately. I become far more aware. Um, I, I guess I couldn't, I don't know. It was just a natural progression. So I did start taking um, photos. So we were outside and I've never picked the phone. I've never picked up the phone to take any images outside. So this evening I said, let's just go around the garden and see if um, we capture anything. And as we were doing that, I kind of um, could direct her and say, I think you need to take a shot there or a shot there. And sure enough, there were there were um, orbs appearing um, in the images. So I actually felt strongly we needed to stand by the well. So we went to stand by the well. And as I was just about to say to her, I think you need to point your camera. It was over in the corner, actually near where the gate where years ago when they used to come in for the doctor's surgery. And as we were stood there and she's got a phone to take the picture, this about the size of a football, a small football, golden, silky, beautiful, round cylindrical shape appeared right next to her head, about four head height and about four or five inches in front of her. Mm -hmm. And it was just hovering. And I just paused because, again, you know, if you're kind of just having conversation and you see something like that, it pour, it stops you. It stops you mid-track because in your mind, you're, what on earth is that? And maybe stronger language than that, you know, as you can imagine. <laughs> and as I'm kind of um, thinking that through, I knew that, she'd seen it too because I knew the way she'd paused and she turned to look at me and she actually did using strong language yeah she kind of did go what the hell is mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. now as we both kind of were processing that and we did that and as she's bringing the phone to I'll take a picture it it just shot off just it just was there and then it was gone at the speed of you know you couldn't even see it go it was just gone wow wow so this was something that you saw both of you saw with your both of eyes us. you saw it absolutely oh as my gosh. plain as anything that you look at now it was as clear solid well and it was um it kind of I don't know. I really don't know how to describe it it was like when I say shimmering I don't mean I like going on and off it was more ripply beautiful gold I mean why gold everything I'd seen so that far had been kind of white bright white or a lovely lilac or a lovely turquoisey blue color when I'd seen orbs but this was gold and the size of it I mean you know that's sizable I mean that was at least six inches across um yeah perfectly round shape yeah and yeah. why did that I mean if you think about that, why did that appear? Why was it there hovering? And, you know, how? How? 
It was, yeah. But the reason I mention it is because from that very second onwards, she was not, she was just did a 360 complete turnaround. And and again, and I've said this to quite a few people, how could you not? Because when you believing is seeing, I guess, uh, and, and when you experience something that is out of the normal, as as you like to classify paranormal, um, you can't deny, well, you can deny it, but she was just completely blown away. And first, sorry. Yeah. No, no, you're you're good. I, I, I just wanted to throw in there, you had um, a, a few skeptical, bordering on cynical characters in the book, family members that uh, that did do that, that 360 uh, motion. They yes, they I, did. Yeah. I think you're absolutely yeah. right. Seeing is oftentimes believing. For some people, yeah. they just cannot yeah. extend themselves to that belief unless they see it with their own eyes. And in that way, the paranormal can be very, a very subjective, like, you know, we're left to our own yeah. devices, like we were talking before, nobody teaches you about this stuff, nobody prepares you for this stuff. So you do Absolutely. try to rationalize it when it starts happening. But oftentimes, it's just, it is too in your face to deny yeah. it. Absolutely. But you know, it comforted me, though, it was really, it was kind of after all the years, of sort of again her humor from me and my situation and you know and and ghosts etc it was quite comforting for me because yeah. I actually also um I had the last laugh in that regard you know and uh but it was comforting that I had an ally so to speak mm -hmm. I could now kind of talk and talk to somebody who literally in fact what's happened with her now is she wants to dive in and know so much more um, and the first thing she did was phone my brother, uh, and she was just so excited. I've seen it, I've seen it, seen it. And it was, it was, I was just sat back smiling, thinking, I know exactly how you feel. That has been me for years. And who have I been able to bounce that off? So it was, it was, you know really great that it actually happened from my perspective yeah no i i would agree i would agree and i wasn't even there i agree <laughs> <laughs> now you saw you like you mentioned you did see a bunch of these orbs um you mentioned yeah. seeing a bunch uh in in the physical with your eyes yeah and describing those experiences you had a shared experience with your husband martin seeing one and oftentimes you 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 sense them it was more like um like a, a in you know the mind's eye being able to sense yeah. them snapping the photo and getting something um yeah. and that that's all just absolutely incredible um there the, these were oftentimes curious bizarre situations people yeah. would consider them just kind of curious bizarre not 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 necessarily nefarious or anything yeah. but mm -hmm. there were uh, quite a few frightening moments frightening stories that you tell in the book um just just the one one off the top of my head that sticks out to me yeah. um it was really unnerving for me the experience with your dog in the hallway yeah sensing something would you would you tell that story yeah. just really briefly it's a brief story and then yeah. uh, maybe, maybe tell us one of the most just unnerving stories for yourself yeah um that was unnerving it would have been more unnerving if my daughter was home with her uh, partner 
And um, we were sat in the lounge just watching TV like you do, just completely chilling out. Um, so it was less scary because there was company. Uh, and I'll go back to the one that really um, was most profound and scary all at the same time. So um, I, I was looking after my, my other daughter's uh, dog and I had my own dog, a rescue dog, who never barked. He was, he was quite old. He was quite ill. So he didn't bark. He didn't growl. Um, he didn't respond to people coming into the house or knocking on the door. And they were fast asleep, laid on the side, flat out, uh, except this second they weren't. They both, in tandem, leapt up off the floor, uh, literally didn't even stand up to wake up, you know, just completely snapped out of um, sleep. And they both had the hackles up, back of the neck, when you see it on a cartoon and you see dogs and the kind of the necks on you know and the, and the showing the teeth absolutely that was exactly how it was uh, very surprising for my dog uh, especially so with that I jumped off the sofa walked to the door because they were facing the door the lounge door by the way that goes into the hall now an awful lot of the activity bear in mind had gone on in the hall and that's where it had started so I was not surprised about the fact that we're facing that way so I've gone out opened the door thinking they'd follow me because they'd normally follow me I mean I could go anywhere with that I called him the velcro dog because <laughs> seriously couldn't move I used to trip over him because he was literally at my feet um he wouldn't follow me they were they were rigid in the middle of the room so I kind of came back into the room, encouraged them out. I tried to push them out. I did everything. And they were absolutely just rigid to that spot, growling. Now, it seems like an age. It was probably a minute. Uh, it was certainly not 10 or 20 seconds. It was a, a long period of time. And then it just stopped. They stopped. And they just came to the door where I was. And then they just turned around and went back to sleep. So with that, I decided I would actually go into the hall, didn't say anything to my daughter, and I picked up my phone. Remember, I'd been taking pictures, but I decided against taking pictures downstairs in the hall because that's where I used to take most of the pictures and I used to see an awful lot of orbs. So I decided to go upstairs very bravely because I didn't put the lights on. And I stood on the landing um large landing quite a square landing and I stood there was an alcove for some of the bedrooms off um the landing so I stood sort of tucked away from the stairs in there and just decided to flash away I took about 10 pictures before the nerves got the better of me because the thought in my head was what if this flash goes off and there's something when the flash you know um goes somebody stood there right in front of me and <laughs> Yeah, and so once I'd had that thought, that was it. There was no getting that out. And I, I was too scared then to take any more pictures. So I kind of walked down the stairs, got halfway, took some more pictures and went and sat in the lounge. I still didn't say a word to my daughter. In fact, I didn't say anything until the next morning. So, of course, with your phones, when you take an image, you can actually um, zoom in. You can expand. And um, so I've looked through and saw two blobs I'll happily send you this image, by the way, after we've done the... Oh, I would um, love that. Because you can't really see this in the book because of the way it's printed, but you can see the original and you will see this clearly. And I saw this blob, didn't really think anything of the blob until I stretched it. And quite clearly, I call her, I've given her a gender, um, school face, because it's clearly 
a face, you can see the eye sockets, the nose, the mouth, and it looks as though she's wearing a bonnet, an old-fashioned bonnet, um, because it's quite prominent above her head as well, kind of a halo effect. Um, well, I honestly nearly fell off the sofa. I got the shock of my life. I thought I might capture an orb, but I never thought I'd capture. What in effect is a face, a solid person. But it's also what's uncanny is where I was stood, I have a banister. And this, I don't know what you want to call it, ghost. Let's call it a ghost, yeah? Um, <laughs> yeah. Schoolwoman um, must have lent over the banister and tilted her head sideways because she's actually sideways on, angled her head to look at me it's not an image i've captured sort of straight on she's twisted and looking at me mm -hmm. and there's actually um, a wisp of smoke i can only call it mist mm -hmm. there's a, a mist nearer as well so that's part of the kind of formation so you know i didn't see her with my eyes but it's there on that um, photo and um well, of course, my daughter stayed that night, thankfully, because I think I would have been too scared to go upstairs and sleep, quite honestly. Are you a paranormal junkie? If so, then join me, Damian Christie, from RKB Paranormal every Sunday morning at 6 a.m. as I talk ghost hauntings and all things spooky with paranormal teams, investigators, psychic mediums, and much, much more. Watch Life Beyond Six Feet on YouTube and listen wherever you get your music and podcasts from. So um, the, the one that I would say was scary and profound uh, and always stands out amongst the many things that have happened is I was home alone. Now, I was actually um, a foster carer at the time and I had a young um a young boy when I say young boy teenager in placement he was out um so I was alone and I'd been I was just watching tv in the lounge and I sensed that somebody was in the room I didn't see anybody but I sensed but what happened was as I was sat on the sofa suddenly something like a gel I can only describe again I apologize because this is not um, that articulate, you know, but I'm going to do the best that I can. I saw what I thought was like a gel, like very, very, not thick gel, but kind of shadowy figure walking up and down the room. But I didn't know if I was seeing that. That's how kind of it wasn't very solid or visible. But I sensed and I did start seeing. Now, it started kind of getting to more visible and to a point where something came right up to me and I instinctively sat myself back on the sofa and actually got very scared at that moment. Now, I wasn't seeing anything except it seemed like I'd never seen anything like it before. And I can only describe a gel with a little bit of an outline to it. So clear, but the outline was more of a little kind of grey um, but it came right up to me. It was just literally kind of was right within my eyesight, almost as though I've been walking up and down this room for a couple of hours and you've not acknowledged me, you know, so I'm going to just come right in your face so that you can't ignore me. Um, so I've sat back in my sofa and I did get a little bit scared. Now, if I may, I just have to say for a few days up until this, 
I'd actually captured the largest orbs ever. It literally filled um, the space on the um, image. And I'd seen those and they were large and very bright. And I don't know whether that were that was a precluder to this. In hindsight, I now think that's what that was and that was why that was happening. And I'll send you those images as well because I think, you know, you're going to like seeing those. Um, and so that had been going on for a few days, but this particular night, um, as I say, I'd leapt back on the sofa and thought I need to be picking my phone up now because there's something going on because I've been I've been trying to ignore it for a couple of hours and couldn't. So I picked my phone up and started um, clicking away. And within 10, 20 seconds of me clicking away, I actually saw, um, it's kind of actually, I'm quite emotional telling you because um, I saw a very, very, very bright white light, but it was large and I felt an overwhelming feeling of love is the only way I can describe it. Oh, wow. I, I went from being really scared to um, wanting to cry, just wanting to cry. I just felt overwhelmed with it. was just beautiful. Yeah. And it was just an instant. And I captured that. And then that was that was kind of it. But I did sit and ponder for minutes but it also scared me at the same time because so much had happened. Now, again, I looked at the image and I captured what I believe is, I call it my angel. Um, and again, I'll send you the original image. And for me, there is something there that's an outline. So what I did, and I don't want to put any ideas into your head. I want you to look at the image and make and form your own thoughts. I don't want to put that into there, but I definitely captured something. And then the young man came home but what I did was I actually showed him the image and I said, I want you to just say what you see, if you mm -hmm. see anything. Mm -hmm. And he's very blunt. He's got no filter. So I knew that if I asked him, yeah, I'd, I'd get an honest answer. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. And what he said he saw was exactly what I saw. So I'm not going to say what it is because I want you to see it. And I just want you to form, you know, your own opinions, which is what I really wanted to do in the book. But unfortunately, reproducing the images which are from a phone um, into the book and onto the paper, you, you can't, it's 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 kind of, I've lost 75% of the quality, you know, uh, yeah. and the image and the ability to see that. So that, you know, fortunately he came home because as much as I had this overwhelming feeling, which was beautiful, I was really, really, you know, scared, really scared. Um, and there was another occasion. There was another, have you, have you got time to hear this? There was yeah. another thing that used to happen, not as a one-off. Um, we used to get a picture thrown into the hall. We had a picture on a radiator covered. We had several pictures on the radiator covered. And this one picture over the years mm -hmm. used to get thrown into the middle of the hall, always land face down and was never broken. But the noise it made, the noise it made because it was a very solid, hard floor was shattering and it really made you jump. So there was one particular evening that um, my husband was away, he was a boxing coach, and he was away at a tournament. So I'm home alone. And middle of the night, just woke me out of my sleep with this loud bang crash. Well, 
I kind of knew what it was going to be because, mm -hmm. you know, that's usually what it was. But when you're on your own, it's quite scary. So I dived out of bed, turned the lights on, turned the lights on on the landing. And I was actually creeping down the stairs because I didn't know it wasn't a burglar. I didn't know that, it, you know, I, I didn't know at that point. Mm -hmm. And I was creeping down the stairs, talking to myself, you know, to keep myself from being so scared. Um, and it was quite comical, really. If you just see me, it was like something out of a Laurel and Hardy, I guess, you know. <laughs> um, this this woman creeping down the stairs, middle of the night, talking to herself, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and sure enough, I got round the corner and there's the picture in the middle of the floor. So I put it back onto the radiator cover and I spoke to the hall and said, look, if you're trying to scare me, it's working, yeah? Um, but please don't do it again. I'm home alone, as you probably know, um, and I need to sleep. So I put it back and left all the lights on instantly and went back upstairs and did manage to get sleep. I had to leave all the lights on to do that. Because yeah, it's difficult to describe fear because when you're talking daylight and you're talking and you can kind of make it lighthearted, it's still fearful, you know? It's still that fear of, you know, and the dilemma was, is it a burglar? Do I want to leave my bedroom? Is it a ghost? Do I want to leave my bedroom? You know, either choice was not, you know, Hobson's choice really. Um, but I knew I had to find out what it was. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Um, I'm just getting so sucked into the stories. <laughs> uh, you know, before we uh, round the corner here to our end, I did want to just touch upon a little bit give people just a, a little bit of insight into the other things that were happening taking place in your life at this oh. time um because it didn't all just happen inside this house it was the span of time where there was a lot of this stuff going on for you in your life but it wasn't just in the house it wasn't just on the land you also uh had some experiences at your place of work as well you uh, i did yeah 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 Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> well, I didn't know if you wanted to speak to that as well, because that, that could give people a, a, a much larger worldview picture of just the span of time in your life and maybe lead them into their own thought process. Like, was it following you to work? Is it is it your sensitivities, um, you know, open keeping yourself open to these kinds of experiences? But yeah, there was some creepy stuff that happened at the gym. Yeah, there was. Yeah, my husband and I, we had a fitness centre. He was a boxing coach. I was a boxing coach, incidentally, as well, because I'd always uh, kept fit. I was a ballet dancer and a fencing champion when I was younger. So um, it was a natural progression for all of us. So we had this old, huge warehouse, uh, and it wasn't creepy in the slightest. Mm -hmm. But um, we did have a couple of instances there. Now, we'd stayed over one evening. We had our own... Um, place that we could sleep and because uh, we were there long hours and I think maybe we've been at a tournament so we were sleeping over and there was one evening when um, yeah things started to happen again hearing things and hearing sort of like little footsteps when you were alone in the gym and I suspected there was a child there don't ask me why um, it was just thoughts that came into my head so this particular evening I was fast asleep and the the toilets were some distance away from the room where we slept and I just sat up in bed I didn't even know I'd woken up I kind of woke up after I'd sat up I didn't wake up and sit up I actually sat up and then woke it was very weird and sh as I was sitting up I was shouting Martin's name really loudly and it was me shouting you know have you ever had a dream or a nightmare where 
you're kind of shouting it and it wake you wake yourself out of it but out of that fear yeah, yeah. that's yeah. exactly how I felt it was the fear and I was shouting Martin um and then realized I'd kind of woken up and shouted him now at that moment unbeknown to me he wasn't in the bed he'd actually gone off to the toilet but at that exact moment that I shouted him when he'd gone into the kind of um lounge area that was our private space within the facility um he'd seen a little we can only call it a ghost boy a, a little young boy that was lit up he was lit up he said and he actually because he was half asleep because he'd been asleep he said he just naturally bent down to scoop this young boy up and as he did that I went Martin and the young boy disappeared so the timing was perfect. I had no idea where he was. And he said he just literally, as he went to scoop him, kind of came out of his reverie because of me shouting his name. So he said he saw a little boy, um, ghost boy. Yeah. But I actually wow. got the connection. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was it was very strange. Yeah. Wow. Well, anyone listening, um, the stories that you have heard today are just the tip of the iceberg in this book. Just incredible experiences. Incredible having you on, and I really appreciate oh, your time. You. Uh, we are near the end here, so we're going to hit some final questions and uh, tell people yeah. where they can find you and get your final thoughts. So, yeah. uh, question number one for you. Do you think there are certain characteristics of a location that might make it always more likely to be haunted? And we kind of touched upon this earlier, yeah, but I was curious I to expand on that. Yeah. So yeah. the stone, the water, are there any any other things that you think would make a home or a location apt to be haunted more likely? I think the energy, I think, I definitely think the historical energy, I think it's not even just the, well, first of all, the stone that absorbs that, but it's the land. I think it's whatever's occurred on the land. And certainly for me, the fact that it was a doctor's surgery, you would have had every age there. You'd have had every type of illness. You'd have had people recovering and people not recovering. So you've got all the range of emotion, I guess, um, and you will have had some very sad times, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I believe that it's that energy that, uh, including you've got the stagnant water with the well, and then you've got the stone that holds all of that. So I think it's a combination of all of it, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. You kind of had the perfect storm here at the specific house. <laughs> My goodness. And you yeah. know what? You you make a very good point. I have heard, I've talked to a lot of uh, paranormal investigators on the show. Yeah. And, and the thing that I consistently get from them is um, the hospitals that they yeah. investigate. Out of all their locations, they are right. going to more likely get um, evidence really? in these locations. Oh, that's yeah. interesting then. So, so maybe, yeah. yeah. Very good point. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, next question for you. You are a prolific reader. <laughs> turned yeah. writer uh what's your your favorite spooky book what's my favorite spooky? i think it's um anything that's kind of factual so um it's not necessarily fiction i like to read the factual um so i did start with a lady called doris stokes an english lady she's she's passed now um so i do like to read anything that's kind of factual on, okay um 
anything. So I hope that doesn't disappoint anybody, but um, yeah. I will read ghost stories, but there isn't anything springs to mind because I like to read, I guess, you know what it is, because of my experiences, I guess I'm reading the factual stuff to see if it resonates and to see if I can get answers to what's happened to me. So I think that's probably why, you know, Betty Shine, Dolores Cannon. I mean, I, I like the um, regression, you know. Um, yeah. Have you read any Dr. Michael Newton? I've not. No. Oh, yeah. Okay, I need to. Yeah. Yeah, he's Unless he's got some great stuff. He's uh it's it's a lot of regression yeah. stuff and and past life and between life um information but he regresses That's all these patients. Fantastic. It's, yeah. It's wonderful. If yeah. you love Dolores Cannon, you you'll like the yeah. his books. Yeah. Okay. I might have even read his books, you know, because I've never kept a library and I forget what I've read and what I've not and who I've read. Mm -hmm. So I might well have done, you know. So thank you for the uh, heads up on that. I'll definitely uh, take a look. Right. From one reader to another. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. A uh, final question for you. I wanted to um, state a quote from your book and then uh, ask you a question following up. Sure. You said, things happened, but infrequently enough for us to banish them from the conscious mind, if not the subconscious. And this might be kind of confusing to folks. I think there's this preconception that you experience paranormal things, you live in a haunted location, a haunted home, it, it must just be like the movie Poltergeist, right? It's just always <laughs> happening like that. And it's evil and blood running down the walls. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. It, when yeah. I read that in the book, it, it hit differently because that almost perfectly describes my own experience. When I was young, I lived in two haunted homes right. and uh, things were happening so uh, infrequently enough that it gave me time to be skeptical, to be in denial, or yeah. just literally take that incident and, and set it over here and then forget about it yeah. and go on with my life. And it yeah. wouldn't be until decades later, it would take me starting a paranormal show to yeah. finally look back and yeah. say, oh, those were significantly different yeah. than all the other regular homes I ever lived in. So I was curious yeah. for you, what at what point what story what experience did it take for you to zero in on this and and pay attention and to realize that something huge was going on here something profound yeah it's that's very difficult to pinpoint i think um it was the accumulation of things mm. as opposed to individual you know, one individual thing that happened wasn't the moment that was pivotal. Um, I guess the starting point with the premonitions was pretty massive, actually. <laughs> that was something that was really challenging and that affected me emotionally. Um, quite That hit me hard. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it was more of a, a progression of things. And, and of course, once I got into West Grove, <laughs> they kind of started speeding up <laughs> the gap in between yeah <laughs> it was almost like a road jam you know a traffic jam <laughs> yeah yeah so they started um but you're able to when there's time in between each event you are able to if we're talking conscious and subconscious it you're able to park that in your subconscious what happens when it becomes repeated uh, monthly then weekly and then daily, particularly with seeing the orbs, there's nowhere to park it. It's kind of in your subconscious and your and your and your conscious all at the same time, you know. And that's when you really have to take note that okay, I have to accept that, you know. I call it um, 
the world of the absolute normal. You know, I just think it's normal because it's just <laughs> so often. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I don't know whether that answers your question. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it, it, it did. Yeah. It did. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. a hard question to answer. And, and you did very well with it. I appreciate that. And uh, you want to let my audience know where they can find and follow you online or where they can pick up a copy of A True Story. Yeah, um, you can pick up a copy of A True Story. It's, it's kind of online with um, most of the retailers, Waterstones, if you have Waterstones, um, certainly on Amazon. I always take a peek on Amazon. Um, so yeah, digital version, paperback version. Um, and I've got a page on Facebook, uh, Ann Bateson 22. Do you have any final thoughts, words of wisdom or a piece of advice you would like to leave with everyone? Word, words of wisdom. Um, my words of wisdom would be approach your life with um, an open mind because anything is possible and I actually think it makes life exciting too. Anne Bateson, author of A True Story, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you Kristen, thanks so much. Thank you to Anne Bateson for joining me on today's conversation. It was such a pleasure getting to speak with you and hearing the stories straight from the source. Um, I really enjoyed her book, A True Story, and I think any of my ghost story fans listening out there would really enjoy it as well. So please follow those links that I've got posted below the show in the show notes to pick up a copy of her book and also to find and follow her online. Rate and review the show. Follow me on all of the socials at Paranormal Girl Pod. Patrons can catch a few bloopers and some post-convo thoughts that Anne shared with me today um, that, of course, were cut from the regular episode. I, I get a lot of bloopers over here for some reason, so I think I'm just going to start posting them for my patrons whenever they occur. <laughs> That'll be something fun to look forward to. So lovely supporters, enjoy the extra content this week. Anyone who wishes to be a lovely supporter, tears start at just three bucks. Um, remember, tune in next Tuesday for the live over on YouTube. I hope to see some familiar names over there. Uh, that is going to be it for us this week, though. So I will see you guys next time. Don't go getting haunted before then. But if you do, remember, stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open.